Hi, I'm Azilia. I'm Iqbal, and welcome to the He Says, She Says, They Say they Podcast. They Say Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> close enough, close enough. Hi guys, welcome to our show. I've been so excited to record this because I find today's topic utterly fascinating. And so joining us today to discuss this is Sharif Saleh, a former researcher for Neural Isa and data analyst for PKR. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Really quickly, could you just tell us and our listeners, just introduce yourself and maybe explain what you did for YB Neural Isa and what you did during your time in PKR? Yeah, sure. So while I was an intern back in 2013, I helped out during the campaign for the elections. And soon after, I was with her team full-time as a researcher. I left recently after being her lead research officer. Before you started with your career in political research, could you tell us a bit more about your background, your studies? and? Yeah, I started in the University of Iowa from 2012 to 2016. And my education background is completely unrelated to politics. It was in mathematics with an actuarial science focus. Iowa. Uh, I'm going to make a joke. Okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I think I watched a film where this girl wanted to move out of Iowa because she said there was no one's life here that I wanted specifically. Whoa! Sorry, Sharif. I know you're a KL boy. What was the difference like? I'm trying to figure out where the joke is because all I hear are truths. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Embrace. I like that. Most seriously, like, Iowa is a bit of a flyover state, but that doesn't mean that the people there are as the stereotype goes like they're boring or anything that's not the case at all they're very warm they're very friendly there's this homey thing depending on which part of Iowa you're in you'll have pockets of it being a very liberal bubble for example in Iowa City this college town where I was it pretty much was a liberal bubble Hmm. as most college towns are so because you were there in 2016 you were among those of us who absolutely did not see the victory of president donald trump coming well there's the thing quantitatively speaking the data was indicating that trump was likely to win because for example 538 gave trump a 30 percent chance of winning which is very good odds and one that widened very quickly as time went on but even knowing that that does not dismiss the confidence you might feel of like, of course, Trump is not going to win. All these working class people, blue collar workers who have been ignored by both Republicans and Democrats, there's no way they're going to be voting for a celebrity billionaire businessman. He's not going to relate to them. Yep. Both are elites. So that was the emotional part talking. But quantitatively, if I had not just looked at numbers, but believed the numbers and not just superseded it with my emotions, it would not have been a shock. But, you know, emotions sometimes trumps logic and data. Ha, trumps logic and data. Get it? (laughs) Yes, Yes. we get it. Yes. Okay, so I'm glad you shared your experiences there, which leads me to today's topic. And again, I've been super, super excited to talk about this. Our topic today is, I don't know what to call him. Some people call him a journalist. Some people call him a pundit. I'm just going to call him internet character. troll. Yeah, an internet troll <laughs> named Ian Miles Chong. He is a, by all accounts, conservative pundit who comments on American politics. He gets retweeted by Donald Trump quite a bit. He posts videos on Black Lives Matter protests, criticizing the protesters for being rioters. He gets interviewed on Fox News. 
he gets interviewed by One American News Network, which is a far-right American news network. And he publishes quite a bit of his own writings, which typically lean conservative right-wing. He has been associated with names such as Milo Yiannopoulos, who used to be the editor of Breitbart, which is a far-right media organization. Mm Mm-hmm. And Breitbart used to be run by Steve Bannon, who was Trump's White House chief of staff. So yeah, you have Ian Malstrong with all these associations. Sorry to butt in, but yeah. how how long has he been on this stride for? Like, how long has he been building this clout? That's a good question. So he has about 277,000 followers on Twitter. Wow. And when exactly he became big... I'll explain all of that in a bit. Okay. But really, the reason I want to talk about him today is Ian Malchong is a Malaysian from Ipoh and he's never even stepped foot in America. What? I didn't realize his name, but I had known about what happened on Reddit and his views and whatnot. I just forgot his name was Ian Malchong. I am an avid Redditor. Oh, interesting. In that case, maybe then I could just get you to explain this whole Reddit thing. But let me just lead into it and then I'll pass it over to you to explain the whole Reddit scandal. So just to give you guys some background information about Ian. Okay. As far as we know, he is from Ipoh. I've looked through his Instagrams and I've looked through his social media. He's really big on Twitter, like 277,000 followers. But on Instagram, on Facebook... He's still a regular human being. <laughs> what else could it be otherwise? Yeah. He posts stuff that gets like less than 10 likes each on Instagram. So it's much um, Okay, at least his influence is quite contained. Mm. On Instagram, he posts a lot of stuff of him just like eating out in Ipoh. At the point, there's been a few pictures of him much um, hanging out at KLCC. Especially pre-lockdown period, there were quite a bit of pictures of him going out and about. So again, it's generally confirmed that this guy is from Ipoh and lives there, but there's not much more than that. He starts, I guess, gaining notoriety in Reddit. And I'm just going to start his story from there because Reddit was pretty much when he began becoming internet famous. And Sharif, maybe you can chime in a little bit more as I explain this whole Reddit episode. Yeah, sure thing. Basically, Reddit has rules about the stuff that you can post, especially like your own links. Can you explain more about this? Okay, so to simplify, Reddit is a link or aggregate website where individual users called Redditors would submit links of news sources or articles or things that happened in their life or things they saw. It's like a forum, is it not? Yes, it's like a forum space. Hmm. And within the context, they can then be broken down into subreddits. Okay, that makes sense. So you've explained how Reddit works, so to speak. And Ian Malstrong starts his internet fame as a moderator on a number of these subreddits. And so can you explain what a moderator is or what they do and why they're special? Okay, so Reddit largely, while they have site rules and staff members whose job it is to make sure that lines are not crossed, such as revealing public information about another user, for the most part, it is very self-regulated. And to do so, typically the creators of the sub, inclusive of certain people that they appoint, would be the people who self-regulate and ensure that rules are followed and so on. So Ian Malschong had this responsibility to self-regulate the conversation that was going to happen in this forum? Not necessarily the conversation, but essentially to make sure that 
rules were followed. He, they are the equivalent of the Ketua class who has been chosen either the, by the teacher or by the students themselves or a mix, mixture of the two to make sure that class responsibilities are passed on. All these things that are there that they may or may not follow or, or commit to, but that is their role. And Ian was a moderator for a subreddit. Okay, and so do you know the subreddits that he was moderator of? One of them was Ask Reddit. Our politics, our WTF, our today I learned. Like, have you ever visited these subreddits or do you know about them? Yes, I'm very familiar with them. These four are very, very big subreddits. Define big. Is it big because of the number of people in them or is it because of the number of posts in these subreddits? Like, what makes a subreddit big? A bit of both. Basically, it's big because of one, the number of people, but more importantly is the number of posts that not only get posted, but also interacted with. Sorry, so Sharif, you mentioned that it's a big deal when you get a lot of interactions. What are the advantages of it? Like, what do, if, if I were to start an interaction with someone, what, what do I get? What's my benefit? I mean, honestly, you really just get, it's called karma in Reddit. It's essentially clout. Huh? So, it's essentially meaningless internet points that you can flex on other people. Okay. But... <laughs> okay, so when someone has a lot of karma, it's just something they can brag about. It makes them sort of more important. Well, to an extent, yes. It's as meaningful as someone with 100,000 likes on Instagram. Interesting. Within Reddit's context, someone with a lot of karma is going to be more trusted than someone with lesser because uh, it implies okay. that they've been on that a lot. Right. Or at the very least that they have been positively contributing. Can you buy good karma? Yeah, I mean, you can pay people or pay bots to upvote and so on. But obviously those are against the rules. Yeah. I guess same thing like with Instagram influencers who buy likes and followers, followers and stuff. Can. Yeah. yeah. Except that with Instagram's context, you don't get booted for paying for likes. Mm. Unlike Reddit, if you pay people or manipulate it so that you get more likes, it is a bannable offense. Sharif, thank you for the crash course on how Reddit works. But okay, so apparently what Ian Miles Chong did on Reddit, he amassed about 350,000 karma. Holy shit. Which I'm guessing is a lot, Sharif. Yes, that's a huge amount. Yeah, so he got a lot of karma as a moderator by pushing his own links onto the subreddits. And as a moderator, sometimes you have to much um, regulate the things that can appear in the subreddits. And then if, you know, some things are spam, you have to remove it. Ian Miles Chong had the power to much um, boost certain posts. And he would use this ability to boost his own websites and links Ew. and stuff. Such a monopoly. Yeah, exactly. It's a monopoly. Is that fair to call it a monopoly, Sharif? He is definitely taking up space in an unfair manner. So... <laughs> So diplomatic. Because the monopolies imply that there's a demand for it to some extent. Uh-huh. He is more fixing it in the same way that you might fix a bet. Okay, you can sort of chalk it up to just playing the game unfairly if you're doing this. But there were also allegations that he sold his services to outside PR firms and publications who he would post stuff on their behalf and then use his moderated powers to get those links passed spam filters oh. and you know that's bribery in a way yeah true Malaysian <laughs> I like it <laughs> he engaged in bribery that's it. he's definitely Malaysian that's wow it. he it's amazing how this guy like everything he does he does go big or go home I think it's his motto in life it's like he really goes all out and we see this again and again so this happened in about 2012 that people found out that he had been abusing his 
moderated powers and he got banned from reddit which i guess reddit bans people all the time but yeah. to ban a moderator among the largest subreddits in the entire website mm. i think that was a pretty big deal so anyway few years later he reappears in internet infamy with an episode called gamergate i don't know if you guys have ever heard of this nope not me. I have. Can you like explain at least the general high level what it was? Okay, so there are lots of nuances to it, but at its core, Gamergate was the game equivalent of Me Too on sexual harassment and misogyny in the gaming world and particularly centered around gaming journalism. Oh, I like that. Wow. I like that you compared it to Me Too. Essentially, what it was, Gamergate started off because there was this female game creator. Her name is Zoe Quinn. Okay. And Zoe created a game that was getting really good reviews in Macham gaming publications and stuff. But quote-unquote real gamers really hated on it because the game was about depression. And a lot of them were just complaining that this is bringing politics and SJW. Can I chime in? Yes. There were two groups basically in Gamergate who were against Zoe, right? Uh-huh. Media attention was on the misogynist group that didn't like her because she was a woman. And everything they said, even if there was some basis of legitimacy, was clearly painted in a misogynistic, anti-woman light. Uh-huh. The other group, though, was on the integrity of journalism. Because when the review came out, there were allegations that she was sleeping with the journalist who gave her the good reviews. <gasps> and he did not disclose mm. it until it was revealed that he was sleeping with her. The incident that Sharif was mentioning, Zoe Quinn, again, one of the good reviews came from this guy who she allegedly had been sleeping with and the allegation was started by her ex-boyfriend pathetic who made a post called the Zoe's post who he said that Zoe slept with this guy and this guy gave her good reviews in return for it that's so unfair however however this boyfriend later retracted that claim because macam the period in which they were sleeping together like Shari said they did have a relationship of some sort yeah so that's why it became very messy and very nuanced because to be clear, there was misogyny involved, yep. but it became a much bigger thing than the original dispute, which was, was this guy giving good reviews because he was getting late and was she sleeping with him because she wanted good reviews? And that's why it's contentious because the timing fits, but uh-huh. they could have been sleeping after the fact or unrelated. Gamergate is a whole much um, rabbit hole in itself. And just bringing it back to Ian Malstrong. So Ian Malstrong, again, accumulated notoriety during this wave of misogynistic sentiment at first because he was an avid defender of Zoe Quinn. Oh. Ew. So he was virtue signaling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because virtue signaling implies he believes in the virtue he signals. Okay. But we don't know whether he even believes in it. (laughs) So, okay, anyway. There are tweets from him during this period in 2014 or so being like, I was talking to folks about Gamergate in real life today and they were appalled by it. I imagine most people would be. And so much, um, he was known to have taken a very strong stance against these misogynistic, anti-female, anti-feminist elements during Gamergate. And another tweet I found during this period, he said, Zoe Quinn is a person, a human being. Stop dehumanizing her. Hmm. And so that was his stance during the whole Gamergate blow up. I see. However, if you look at more recent writings, he somehow has switched sides. Now he's gone on the side of the gamers, like bashing SJWs, bashing these leftist people who want to put politics into gaming. And it's been just the most astounding 180 that the internet has ever seen. The thing is, a lot of the articles bashing 
Ian Malstrong for flip-flopping are actually from former gamers who he used to call Nazis and stuff. He's now on their side, but they still macam... See him as an outcast. Yeah, exactly. They see him as... Apa hal mamat ni? Not only did you bash us dulu, tapi sekarang kenapa kau dah backstab your friends? Like yeah. that Zoe Quinn lady, he now tweets shit about her and stuff. So again, here's the thing. The flip-flopping has been a recurring pattern in Ian Malstrong's internet history. So if you look at his older tweets, I found one from 2008 where he says, Were I an American citizen, I'd be voting for Obama. His answers were in-depth and better than McCain's meaningless one-liners. Okay. But if you look at more recent tweets where he talks about Obama and stuff, he has quite disfavorable views about Obama today compared to the views he had about Obama maybe 12 years ago. Right. So on this note on Ian Malmstrong going 180, we're trying to figure out why he does this, right? Like how does it benefit him? And I'm just curious to kind of understand further if his behavior is caused by the political scene in Malaysia. Like nobody's really picking a side like everybody's just going left one day and right the other day and I, I don't know if that plays a role in his character what do you guys think? Well in Malaysia's context well we have leaders who say A and then say B and so on on the ground though it's not really reflected the same way for example we'll talk about the Amno Pass merger in Mofaket National the people on the ground are not necessarily happy with Amno and Pass working together even though the leaders are trying to show a sense of solidarity. On the ground, you don't necessarily see that solidarity reflecting because they are still at odds and against each other. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that in the supporters of an Amno Pass merger is the thought that better the devil you know than devil you don't or... The lesser of two evils. Yeah, exactly. It's not a flip-flop at all by the people. Oh, yeah. It is just a recontextualization of the issue and it's overall at its core consistent. Okay, so this actually leads me nicely to the next episode in the Ian Malstrong story. So during this whole Gamergate thing and people were noticing that he's flip-flopping a lot, I guess it was around this time that a leak happened of his old moderator logs. Right these logs became public and got a lot of attention because he would say things like I'm white inside, yellow outside. Ataupun he would call himself a banana. Ataupun why didn't the Holocaust kill your parents? Ataupun Heil Hitler, Hitler didn't do anything wrong. So you're right. Okay, so let's say flip-flopping is not something inherently Malaysian. But this thing right here, this macam appeal to white supremacy, glorification of Hitler. This is something we have seen in Malaysia in the form of publications that write CC Lembut Hitler ataupun there was a Vice article that touched on Malay Nazis. I don't know how that's even possible, but any chance you know slightly more about that, Sharif? Maybe you can share your thoughts. Yes, so this plays on to the identity politics that has been coming up in Malaysia for the past 10 issues i'm not so familiar with the timeline itself mm-hmm. and the context of malay nazi sympathizers or like even those call themselves nazis they're not looking at it in a white supremacy context Interesting. the banana context is a separate issue i'm not talking about what ian mouse said about himself specifically mm-hmm. but when it comes to this nazi thing it's more so that they identify themselves strongly to specifically being malay muslim mm-hmm. 
And part of the identity marker is being anti-Jew. Ah. So by virtue of that, in the Malaysia context of these Malaysian Nazi sympathizers or those who call themselves Nazis, yeah. they see themselves more as first and foremost a Muslim and being a Muslim involves being anti-Jew and Hitler was anti-Jew and he is on our side. It's within that kind of nuance and not within the context of, oh, I wish I was white so I would be like Hitler and I want to be a white supremacist like them. It's a completely different context even though there are parallels and even though the support is still there. Yeah. It'd be like if you're a capitalist who hates Trump's racism mm-hmm. and you support Trump not because you like his racism but because you don't want there to be socialism in the country right interesting okay right i mean that does shed some light as well on the existence of malaysian trump supporters because again trump has been known to make islamophobic statements and i see malay muslim supporters of trump and i wonder how that's even possible but i guess what you just said made sense yeah for those it depends on why these malays support trump some support him because he is against say, other groups that they think are lower such as liberals liberals yeah, yeah. yes there's another example as well that makes a lot of so sense. they might ignore or brush aside or be yeah he's not fully for muslims but these kind of muslims not all muslims you know what i mean like they would have mental gymnastics to put themselves still in the same group because they actually are supportive of him due to other things unrelated to attacks on them interesting okay so we're sort of at the end of the Ian Maelstrom saga already we've hit the broad things and honestly this is probably only half of his story but yeah there's so much you can touch on this yeah just to sum everything up after the whole Gamergate thing he jumps from publication to publications he has a gaming website he also writes frequently for right-wing publications like Fox News Tucker Carlson has a website called The Daily Caller and Ian Maelstrom is a contributor there he's now the managing editor of a website called human events which was the very prominent right-wing conservative magazine in the united states it was established in like 1940 something okay and they've actually been quite legit lah. they've had contributions from former vice presidents they've had contributions from like very prominent thinkers and during the vietnam war they backed the u.s intervention into vietnam in 1985 they much I'm supported apartheid in South Africa and called Nelson Mandela the main obstacle to peace so you know that should give you an idea of what this magazine is and wow. today Ian Malstrong is the managing editor for the website and he writes quite a bit for them and at one point he started a gaming YouTube channel with another anti-SJW anti-feminist person called Andy Worski and after a falling out between the two of them Andy is from Canada and Ian calls the police on Andy claiming that Andy has firearms and cocaine in his house oh, yeah. and yeah and apparently Andy Worski has two detectives come and search his house and stuff hey hang on he's doing all of this in the basement of his house in Ipoh apparently so at one point Andy has his own YouTube channel on top of the channel that he and Ian run together yeah and somehow Ian manages to change the thumbnails to Andy's videos to pictures of gay sex. <laughs> so but if you upload inappropriate stuff, YouTube it will ban you. Okay. And Andy Worski had a huge following at this time like beratus ribu subscribers. Yeah. And Ian was pretty much trying to get him banned and Andy knew that it was Ian because he could check that he minor people were making edits to his channel and he would see that oh, the most recent update was from Perak Malaysia. What? Exactly. It was just Ian Malstrong just doing it 
like you said, from the basement of his house. Yeah. I don't think the rumah Malaysia had a basement, so maybe just his living room or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I wanted to touch on the basement thing because it's just a hilarious thing to say. Malaysia doesn't have basement for a variety of reasons. <laughs> we, we don't have the climate for basements. Exactly. It's so. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's been really funny recently in every one of his posts there'll be someone in the comments asking, why are you talking about this? You're from Malaysia, dude. Like, there was one post where he goes, Donald Trump is my president. And it was just bombarded yeah, that was so, That's why he's not your president yeah. because you're not in America. <laughs> exactly. You're not American. Yeah, yeah. is irrelevant. So he tweeted, Donald Trump is my president. And it has 930 replies. Oh, wow. <laughs> and a lot of the top replies are like, dude, you live in Malaysia. Dude, you're Malaysian. <laughs> like calling him out. Yeah, yeah, calling him out and just... Like, imagine an American going, Najib is my prime minister. Wait, Exactly. What? It's just... Why are you randomly saying this? <laughs> It's just so weird. A guy in Michigan sitting yeah. down going, Muhyiddin is my prime minister. What? It's just so weird. And then recently, there were a number of publications that posted about him. Let me just read the headline to you. Crazy, this guy. So... This article has been posted and reposted on a number of websites. Okay. The headline reads, Malaysian man criticized after naming black man number one suspect in US shooting. And so the article was about a tweet that Ian had posted, basically blaming this innocent black guy for killing two sheriff deputies What? in Los Angeles. So there was a video of two cops getting shot by a black guy. And Ian provides the name, details, address of this one guy who he says was the shooter. Wow, and okay. And that guy, obviously, there's a manhunt for him. Dude. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Macam, <laughs> oh Mamatni, he was a basketball coach. He was a father of two. And suddenly, he was being harassed and getting death threats and all sorts of things. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> just because of this random dude halfway across the world from his <laughs> basement in Ipoh. <laughs> like suddenly just blaming you <laughs> yeah for shooting two sheriffs it's just like surreal the amount of trouble this guy is up to exactly my god I don't know whether to hate or admire this guy somewhere between the two you can do both it's not either or it doesn't have to be either or yeah It's crazy. Yeah, the thing is, there are so many cases like this from Ian Malstrong. Like, this is far from the first time he's done this. Like, he's done this multiple times on numerous occasions, just like posting factually wrong things, like getting a mob riled up, and then later people being like, eh, benda ni salah lah. So another one, macam, there was a guy who carried a AK-47 into a Black Lives Matter protest and was just like shooting people during the protest and someone shot him instead. Ian Malstrong claims from sources, again, I don't know where he gets his sources from, <laughs> that the protesters yeah, shot at this innocent white guy first. His source is just basically source, trust me. Yeah, 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 basically. And people believe him. Not only people believe him, like that tweet was retweeted by Donald Trump. Oh my God. Of course it was. And you guys said that. Even your cat is just disgusted by this guy. <laughs> <laughs> just leave that in, leave that in. I guess if we needed to give you and our listeners a crash course history on this gentleman, we now have done that. Do you have any social media accounts or do you have any much on websites or writings that you want us to shout out about or that you want to promote right now? Well, in terms of promoting, my Twitter, which is just my name, at Sharif. Yeah. My Instagram, which is at SharifB. And thanks for having me. It was really fun being on here. It was a fun conversation. Much better than going out on a Friday night and spending time with your friends, Ken. 
uh, going out where? It's CMCO and <laughs> we are in the midst of a global pandemic. It's a public That's health true. crisis. This is how we got into CMCO by going out on Friday That's nights. True. Thank you so much, Sharif, for joining us for this episode. <laughs> Not a problem. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the He Says, She Says, They Say podcast. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, feel free to drop us a mail. And you can also follow us on Twitter at he, she, they say underscore. Till next time. Bye. bye.